Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. I am pumped today to be joined by a great guest. We got Daniel Harms here. How's it going, man? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. You know, I've followed you for a little while now and it's always good to see all the work you do and it's always nice to be asked to be on podcasts. So getting out there a little bit more myself is doing as a guest, not so much as a host anymore, but it's always fun. So thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to have you here. Um, First of all, I just kind of wanted to talk to you and, and just to give the audience a bit of what we're going to talk about today. We're going deep on some breakout wide receivers. That's going to be the main topic for today. Um, I found it's one of the best way to gain value in Dynasty mm-hmm. and to win in any given year is to identify those breakout wide receivers a year early. So we'll be going through that and then touching on uh, a few more questions from my patrons to round us out. But before that, for those who aren't familiar with you, do you want to give uh, give the listeners a little idea of kind of what your background is and what your focus is as far as fantasy goes? Absolutely. So I started in the entire business at first. Just join Twitter. My, you can find me on Twitter at InHarmsWay19. That's where I do all of my, my work for the most part, clips that I constantly do. I started in the film aspect of it uh, i got started there and i work at an, a youtube channel called rgrfootball.com where i cover the chiefs i do all film breakdowns there every single week and i do it throughout the season off season so there's always a, a film breakdown every single week that i do there nice. and now i recently was i just accepted a position at football guys where i will be doing my more film analysis but again trying to incorporate more statistics and data into the actual film side so we can add more context to players and that's at the end of the day that's all we want to do we want to add as much context to these players as we can so we can get the best idea out of what they're gonna what their value can be how they're going to be you know used on on the field in the scheme that they're in and i do like to focus on redraft it's a little bit easier but i've been getting more into you know dynasty aspects especially because i'm in like four or five of them now so i want to know more about the the actual construction and how we go about that and trades and all that kind of stuff so i've been digging more into and and now that i'm part of football guys it's really a, a good opportunity for myself to learn more about that so i'm excited about it yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, I'm excited to see you getting more into the dynasty space. I have always really enjoyed the way that you combine film and statistics. That's definitely what I try to do as Thank well. You. It's kind of the best way to go about things. Um, so definitely make sure to check out Harms um, on all of his different platforms. Um, and regardless of whether you're slightly newer to dynasty, this the main question we're covering today yeah really applies to redraft in the same way um in terms of the you know applicable moves you can make it varies a little bit based on redraft or dynasty but really finding these 2023 breakout wide receivers um is going to be one of the keys to winning in 2023 regardless of what you're looking at so uh i i've dug into this a little bit but i wanted to ask you what makes a breakout wide receiver so first of all maybe definitionally and then, you know, if you have any statistics or film takeaways that might indicate where those breakouts might come from. So I'm usually looking for guys that have not broken that 700-yard barrier. Like that's yeah. f- first and foremost, that's what I'm looking for. If you, you know, and, and touchdowns are so hard to predict, but if you're like a 704 to five touchdown guy, we're looking for the breakout into the almost maybe a thousand yard and closer to eight touchdown season. That's what I would define closer for a breakout season like Jerry Judy last year I think had closer to a breakout than most people think because he was nearly at that 1,000 yard barrier and had close to double digit touchdowns if he didn't already get there so that's kind of what I look for when I'm when I'm thinking about 
who who can get to that point? And then when we get to what I'm looking for on on, on tape is how do you win? That's the biggest thing. Like what that that's all that matters. You can be schemed open. Um, you can be put into a position as a a gadget guy to get touches and scheme touches and be in positions. But to be able to transcend all of that and break out, you have to be able to win. So how how do you do that? The best way that I've found that translates into finding some of these breakout guys is you have to be able to win at least two different ways. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in terms of route combinations, can you run a full route tree and how do you get to your routes? The release aspect or the, the, the biggest things for me, if you're just a constant, you know, kind of stutter step release to the outside guy. All right. You're probably not going to have a huge route tree because right. that typically means you're a more vertical receiver. You're going to try to get downfield. Take Christian Watson, for example, he's going to be more of a vertical threat. These big, deep, um arching over routes deep down the field goes and things like that he's going to be very useful in that there's going to be some other aspects that he has to grow in his route running to get better and then you have the more of the tacticians like the jerry judy where we kind of touched on him but Devonte smith who we all know broke out honestly it was two years ago he was a great yeah. route runner as a, as a rookie but he's able to win with his releases and his routes so if you can combine multiple ways of using whether it's speed um, manipulation tactics, your route running, just being able to sell a vertical route and break four different ways off of those routes and leave a cornerback guessing. That's really what it is for me. How do you, how do you win that? And then you can combine that with using speed. So some of these faster guys like Christian Watson, if he can get to that point where he's, he's running these routes more consistently, we're going to see him take a huge step forward. So trying to find it in the film is, is the best, the best indication for me that it doesn't necessarily matter how they're involved in the scheme itself, if they can find ways to win. Amon Ross St. Brown is a great, a great example of this. Everyone's like, well, you know, he's a, a fourth, fourth round pick. How is he going to be great? Well, I was watching him at USC and I went back two years because he played a lot in the slot a couple of times. He played outside yeah. a little bit, but he played with Drake London. And when you watch these, these I like to call him jack of all trades, guys, he's not like an elite player or anything. He does everything well. He's not super fast. But he's, a, he's still used in these motion moves left to right. The Lions use this a lot. So scheme fit with these players makes a big difference as well. Um, having Ben Johnson, whom not many people knew, myself included, being the offensive coordinator over there and scheming him up in multiple different ways wasn't uh, in the cards for a lot of people. But the route running wasn't elite for Amon Ross St. Brown, but he still won in the short to intermediate parts of the field. And you see that translate immediately in Detroit. He's not a deep threat. He is a get the ball in his hands and kind of use him in the red zone. He had, I believe he was top 10 or top five in red zone targets last year too. So he's starting to get some of those, those red zone looks too. So all about for me, finding these breakout guys is how do you win and how does that translate and does it transcend what you're being asked to do in your offense? Yeah. And that that's it. You said a lot, but you said it very well. I, I think one of the interesting things, especially from a film perspective that you look at is if someone's not good at something, that's almost okay. Like, especially if a yeah. lot of their underlying metrics and their performance has been good prior to this, you know, upcoming season. And they have a few areas in their game that they could, you know, seemingly easily or potentially improve upon. That's part of the way that you identify a breakout because, you know, I do a lot of rookie scouting. You do as well. There's a lot that goes into that. That is what is this player right now? But a big part of any player is what are they going to be in the future? So a lot of what we're doing when we're predicting breakouts is not just analyzing what they were, but what they can be from a skill development type um, mm -hmm. 
and Christian Watson, we're, we're going to get into later. He's yeah. actually one of the guys at the top of my list as far as a potential breakout. So we can talk about some of the pros and cons to his game a little bit more. Um, from a numbers perspective, the way that I think about breakouts are typically a player who's never been in the top 36, who then hits the top 36 okay. uh, of wideouts. I, I look at points per game. Um, but then, you know, usually minimum of eight to 10 games, but then I also look at it in terms of, are you breaking out to wide receiver one status for the first time? Are you breaking out to wide receiver two status for the first time? And as I went back and looked at this, some, some interesting metrics that I found that were really crucial in terms of identifying a breakout. So first of all, very few rookies ever place in the top 36 wide receivers, Way far more sophomores do. So of the top 36 wide receivers, this is since 2000, only about 7% were rookies. 22% were in their first two years, 35% in their first four years. And then you get up to about 50, 50 by their fourth year. So most of the, about half of the wide receivers are in the first four years in that rookie contract of their careers. What I found is that if you look at the year prior to where they broke out, particularly for the wide receiver ones, those wide receivers had to have a high PFF grade and a high yards per route run. So the average PFF grade for a wide receiver entering wide receiver run status for the first time was about 85. The average yards per route run was about 2.3. These are incredibly high numbers. Mm -hmm. You know, these are basically saying these guys were performing as superstars on a per snap basis. They just didn't get enough work for whatever reason it was. If you're looking into wide receiver twos and threes, you're looking at more like a 70 to 75 PFF grade and a yards per route run around two, maybe just under. So as we go through and talk about these various um, potential breakouts, I'm going to be referencing some of those numbers. So I just wanted to benchmark it at the beginning. Um, the other interesting thing is that while situation is important, it doesn't matter quite as much as some think. And target competition has actually proven to be more important than your quarterback, which I found very interesting. So your quarterback, and this is, again, just looking back since 2000, um, if you have another wide receiver on your team that was a top 24 wide receiver the year before, it is almost impossible to break out. So let's talk about, we're going to talk about a guy like Elijah Moore, um, who has yeah. Garrett Wilson on his team. It's going to be tough. Or, oh, sorry. He does not have Garrett Wilson on his team anymore. <laughs> he has Amari Cooper on his team, who was a top 24 wideout last year. It's going to be hard. Who's going in the top four rounds of redraft right now. It's going to be hard for him to break out. So those are kind of some of the key metrics that I look into, um, as well as, like you said, uh, diving more into the film. And I, I don't mm -hmm. know how you go about it, but what I typically do is I look at some of these metrics, I get a large player pool, and then I dive into the film on all of them to try to figure out, you know, where does my opinion and where does the uh, the qualitative analysis fit in with the quantitative analysis? Yeah, I, I like that. You've got to be able to get a standpoint. And, and when you have numbers, at least you can, you're looking for something. If you have, like you take yards per route run, for example, if he's got a low yards per route run, well, let's figure out why he has that. Is it because he's just not good at getting open or is it because the way that he's being used or the routes he's being run. Because if you go back to college, some of these guys don't have full route trees. A lot of them yeah. don't. Most of them don't. And maybe that can be translated to the NFL. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time to learn an NFL route tree. So like in the first first or second year, like if you're seeing a yards per route run where it's just not great and you're, you, you see this these breakouts happen in three or four, that's because sometimes it clicks. Like in the third and second offseason, you have the whole uh, the whole playbook at their disposal now. So you get some underlying numbers. And I like that you go through all of that before you get there. It's a lot 
to be able to unpack and say, we've got information here that shows us, okay, we, we could be seeing something here. And that's where we would like to confirm a little bit. At least I, I like to confirm with the film to see how they're able to win. And if that's something that continue to translate. And that's one of the reasons, you know, Justin Jefferson was my like wide receiver one when he was coming out. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. He plays in a slot. This guy can win anywhere he is on the field. So uh, it, it was, uh, it's always nice to see something like that happen. You're not going to be a hundred percent, especially with, um, with any of these guys because the draft is such a it's such a different thing but predicting how they're going to break out is an even I would say tougher task in the NFL yeah. with better better players better defenses so I'm excited about these these breakout guys yeah absolutely and and the the two other things that I wanted to mention that I'm going to be going through as we go through some of these candidates one is draft capital draft capital is still important mm-hmm. it is still yep. an important leading indicator of course we see some breakouts from later round guys but most players who break out in years three and four who did not perform well in years one and two were still drafted in the first two rounds. So that is still important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, I like using reception perception um, as kind of a proxy for film grade. Uh, Matt Harmon over at Reception mm-hmm. Perception does a great job grading wide receivers. Like you said earlier, he, he looks at all the routes, shows where these players are succeeding. I like looking at his stuff and then comparing it to some of my film takes to try to come up with a film grade as well. So these are some of the metrics that we'll look at as we go through it. Um, You already mentioned Christian Watson. So I think that's a good place to start. Uh, For those who have listened to my podcast in the past, they know I am very high on Christian Watson. He's currently my wide receiver 17 in dynasty. I think he could easily have a top 20 season and redraft as well. Um, and we could be looking at him as a top 12 dynasty wideout after the season if everything goes well. Uh, what's your opinion uh, on Christian Watson and his breakout potential this year? Christian Watson's really fun. Uh, he's such a fun player to watch. I did a film breakdown of him just before I left the fantasy football astronauts. If you guys are interested, you can always go go and find that. It's open for everybody. So uh, I have that on my Twitter, again, at inharmsway19. It's easy to find. And the the, the most important thing about him is that his – his yards per route runs do they do lie a little bit because yeah. he's a big play machine. He's going to yeah. get some really big plays, and then you it can mask some of the underlying inability to get open from that short to intermediate. Like I talked about, he's he's a really great downfield weapon in terms of getting open. He does have some ball tracking inconsistencies, and that's one of the reasons Aaron Rodgers was really frustrated last year at times yeah. because. He's open and he'll just like drop the ball for no reason. He'll have trouble tracking it over his shoulder. Uh, um, but again, going from North Dakota State University to where he was a gadget receiver. That's what he was. He was essentially like a running back used as a wide receiver over there. Being asked to run more of a route shoot. I can't tell you how many times I've been watching his, his college tape, but it's just curl, curl, curl. Stop running curls. <laughs> Let yeah, him do something different. Let him do something different. So uh, it's going to be nice to see him, I would hope, with more of an extended route tree this year, not just you know slants, goes, and some some curls and comebacks and things like that. I want to see a fully developed route tree. I like that they got him on some drag routes, get him in space, and then use his speed to get downfield and, and really stretch that these short and deep routes. I like to see from guys that have his size and speed, which is really hard to find uh, anywhere in, in the NFL. So a really really good athlete. And what I'm what I'm interested to see this year is how the dynamic between Jordan Love and these young receivers really works. Because I know I know that you do, he doesn't have a ton of competition, but Jordan Love still has some things to 
prove to everybody in the in the NFL world and how they're going to run the ball versus you know passing. They're going to probably not necessarily be behind in a ton of games. Their defense is still very good. It's it's young, but their pass defense is one of the best in the NFL, especially going down to when we look at uh, DVOA, uh, weighted DVOA. They're one of the best in the NFL last year. So that, that's it's a tough spot to really predict. But at the end of the day. He can score touchdowns in bunches. We saw that last year in his his mini breakout, as you if you want to call it, that he had. And at, like I said, when it comes down to winning speed and size, he has both of those things in spades. And I really think that a lot of these guys don't have what he has. And even as a defense can predict speed and things like that, they almost don't account enough for it so he's yeah. he's very good at winning downfield and when you're able to win downfield you're going to score touchdowns and big touchdowns more often than not so i'm excited to see what he does this year i want to improve that back up that yards per route run with a better just as good of a number this year and win on some of these intermediate routes yeah and and going off that i mean one of the other things that i look for is did a player improve and christian watson had some Absolutely. injuries early in the season and in the last eight weeks of the season he did break out he was yeah. a wide receiver one averaging 16 points a game yes there were a lot of big plays in there but he still got five or more targets yeah. every game and at least 45 yards in seven of those eight games um with a 2.6 yards per route run might i add which would have been top five in the season so christian watson did break out a little bit coming up uh, at the end of last season and I really just see superstar potential in him because there are so many parts of his game that he can improve upon. I mean, his mm -hmm. athleticism is off the charts. He was one of the best testing athletes that we've ever seen at the wide receiver position. And a lot of the troubles that he had earlier in ball tracking and things like that, like you mentioned, he did fix a lot of those later in the season. Out of any players with more than 10 contested targets, his contested catch rate was number one in the NFL, which is something that I love seeing above guys like George Pickens and Terry McLaurin and Mike Evans. Yes, that means he wasn't getting open quite as much as some other players as well, but Christian Watson has the ability to turn any play into a touchdown. And I look at some of these metrics, his PFF grade was a 78. And in the second half of the season, it was an 82. So check. Yards per route run, check. He is the best wide receiver on his team, check. Heading into his second year with second round draft capital. Now the only potential con is his reception perception grade wasn't great. My film analysis kind of matched that. He's good, not great, and not a complete receiver. But if he could improve upon that, I really think he is as much upside as almost anyone at the wide receiver position. And I think his floor is a lot higher than others might think because he's already proven he can get targets. There's no other great wide receivers on that team. And they use him in some gadget plays and some manufactured touches um, on jet sweeps. He had two touchdowns last year. He really is just a guy who could have a massive season and you probably won't be able to get him as cheap as you are now, which is kind of fifth round in dynasty. Yeah, he's, he's just going to be one of the harder players right now to kind of predict. Because like you yeah. said, when, when it comes to what he does well, that's it's, it, that was obvious from the day he got into the NFL. He's yeah. big, he's fast, and he can kind of do a lot of different things with the ball in his hands. And, and when it comes to changing angles, that's the big thing is when you have the ball in your hand and then you can accelerate all of these DBs are, that are – their angles change immediately. The acceleration is off the charts. So yeah. – when you're able to combine that with the winning. So he does win. He wins with speed. All right, check. And I will say that some of his contested catches were made better 
in quote unquote contested catches because Aaron Rodgers threw it to where only he could get it. Like that, that was one of the things yeah. that came into my film review of him. I'm like, okay, so he's not open, but Aaron Rodgers is like, this DB doesn't even know where he is. So I'm just a thought behind and he can go get it. So that there is a little bit of that that I don't think Jordan Love can recreate. Uh, so I'm in, that's one of the bigger things I'm interested in seeing is he can keep that contested catch rate up with a guy who's not necessarily going to do what Aaron Rodgers has been able to do in locating those balls down the field. So he's going to be, like I said, not just fun player to watch. I'm going to have like eyes on him every single week. I need to see what he does, how the Packers use him. They should use him more in gadget plays. He's the most explosive player on that team. Do more than just giving him a screen every now and then use end arounds, use reverses, do a bunch of different things with him. Because at the end of the day with an offense, quarterback by Jordan Love, you kind of need to do everything in your wheelhouse to keep up with some of these high-octane offenses in, in the in defenses in the NFL, honestly. So he's definitely a polarizing player, and I definitely agree with you. He could be – I think he's got top 10 potential this year in terms of where yeah. he finishes. Like, I think he could be there if he's used properly in Green Bay. Yeah, and and the the last point before we move on, I, I think that – the fact that the Packers really only added weapons over the middle of the field, right? They drafted two tight yeah. ends. They drafted a slot wide out. They have two running backs who are big in their passing game. Christian Watson is going to get a lot of one-on-one coverage outside. He's really that deep threat outside. He already improved at the in-breaking routes, like you said, like the drags and slants. So I'm, I'm really excited about seeing him. Another guy I'm excited about who... Uh, both of us, I think, have a lot to say about him. Uh, you as a Chiefs fan, me just as a bit of a fanboy coming out of the draft, um, is Sky Moore. Um, so uh, I would love to talk to you about Sky Moore because you are a Chiefs fan. You do follow them very closely. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking about him on Twitter a little bit the other day. Um, and you mentioned something interesting where it seemed like it was in the plan for Sky Moore to come along slowly. Mm-hmm. seemed like that was Andy Reid's plan. Um, I did look into a little bit about whether small school players break out later, uh, and I'll, I'll get into some of that analysis in a second. But do you want to just get a little bit more into what Andy Reid's plan for Sky Moore was and is? Yeah, so this is something that it's hard to do, especially for analysts, all of us, that don't cover all the teams. Like we, we just we can't know the ins and outs of everything that goes on behind closed doors. We, we It's impossible for that to be able to happen. So when we have some information like myself, I cover the team specifically. And from the moment the off season shifted, when they traded Tyreek Hill away, the answer for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes was to get trustworthy veterans around Patrick. Okay. And, and, and around Travis Kelsey. And that's the thing is that they understood what Juju Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and then ridiculously, Justin Watson all did well. I still, I, I remember going back to the offseason. I'm like, there's no way Justin Ross, Justin Watson makes this roster. And not only did he make the roster, he was a starting receiver at points when Juju Smith-Juju was hurt. Like he yeah. was legitimately playing a lot of snaps for the Chiefs over Sky Moore, which got people very upset. But that was the hallmark of, of their point last year. They wanted to surround Patrick with players that when they knew what they were good at, they knew what they were going to be on the field and they could trust that they were going to be in the right spot. And even Cole Hardman, who had some issues with that early in his career, started to get better at that before he got hurt uh, last season. And Sky Moore was shoved into a position where they they even said it this off, they have said it this offseason where they don't throw a lot of everything at their younger players. They want them to learn all of the positions, but they want them to do it slowly. And last year, my film room on rgfootball.com also backs this up. They had him line up everywhere, learn every single 
position, which is, you know, outside Z in the slot. And I have specific examples in that film room to show he plays in the slot, he plays in the Z and he plays on the X. Like he did all of these things and how he can actually kind of do them well. And the usage that everyone wanted to see from Sky Moore, at times they had to use him a bit more and you saw some breakout. Like you saw against the the Chargers was the, one of the big ones. He has a, a really nice catch against the Rams uh, where he's going in between a cover two defense and he he sees that he has actual inside leverage so he can release up the field and that's a, a nuance of the chief's route tree that most people don't don't know these route trees have so many different breaks off of them that based off the coverage and the leverage that they're seeing at, at the pre-snap they can adjust their route so he's kind of he was putting it all together the thing everything was there and so I, i'm excited really excited about sky Moore coming into this season because he's he knows the playbook now. He's more comfortable. He's going to have trust from Patrick Mahomes. And I, I've said this over the course of the last two to three years. If you don't have the trust from the quarterback, specifically Patrick Mahomes, you're not going to get a lot of looks. You're not going to get a lot of uh, targets. So I, I do think that he's earned that trust this offseason and from what he did last year. And I, and I, I just really think that he's going to take a, a big step this year. So, uh, and and I'll get more into Sky in a second, but one mm-hmm. one tough thing that I find especially um, you know, with social media and especially in the off season is trying to differentiate between coach speak that means nothing and yeah. actual, you know, actionable takeaways that might tell us mm-hmm. something about a player's upcoming usage or, you know, just production in the upcoming season. H- how do you go about trying to differentiate between what's bullshit and what's not? Oh man, it's, it's tough. I, I usually ignore a lot of coach speak. Um, like coaches, they're always just trying to speak everybody up and you can't listen to a damn word that like Kyle Shanahan says, or anybody says over in San Francisco, we, we just can't trust any of that. Cause they got three quarterbacks that they think they can be starters. And, and when it comes to players talking about each other, that's what I take more into. Um, when, when a quarterback speaks about his players, I take notice. I listen to that. When the veteran wide receivers are talking about the younger wide receivers, I listen to that a little bit more. And it's it's so it's so tough to gear what everyone's talking about in OTAs. When you when you want to hear more about a player and take more out of what a coach is saying, that's when training camp is. Okay, OTAs and, and like rookie training camp, they're all going to be pretty much talking positively about what's going on and yeah. that, that kind of thing. Training camp is when they are geared in, locked in to gear up for the season. That's when I start to take a little bit more out of what the coach says about these specific players. Yeah, and, and the Chiefs wide receiver room is an interesting one. I mean, last year, Absolutely. none of their wide receivers had more than 70% of the team snaps played, and they yep. had six guys with at least, uh, when if you just count when Kadarius Tony was was healthy, six guys with at least 27%, which is what Sky Moore was at. So yeah. it's a tough wide receiver room to project. Um, I do want to get into a little bit of the reason potentially that Sky Moore did not have a good rookie season, and that is because he came from a smaller school. Um, So the instinct is, you know, maybe it'll take a little bit longer for a smaller school wide receiver to actually come and learn the NFL. Um, And coming out of Western Michigan, Sky was the best player on the field basically every game Mm -hmm. he played. He dominated at Western Michigan, had basically the best – target shares, yards per route run, et cetera, of any college player that we've looked at. Um, so I looked at the hit rate for small school players. And as we know, the hit rate for small school wide receivers is lower than big school wide receivers. That's not surprising. 
When you limit it to the first three rounds, the hit rate is very similar, you know, within uh, the margin of error that it's essentially the same. Mm -hmm. Now, I looked at players who went to small schools who broke out in the second year later and compared their rookie production to the same for big school wide receivers. And their rookie production was 50% lower their rookie year than for big school wide receivers, which is very interesting. So basically what that means is you got a guy, uh, you know, Jahan Dotson, who went to Penn State, he had 600 receiving yards his rookie year. I don't know what it was exactly. Yeah. Uh, a small school equivalent of him would have had 300 yards on average. Okay. So, which is interesting. I also I like discovered that. that a smaller percentage of these small school wide receivers break out in year one and two, but a higher percentage break out in years three through five. Um, so maybe the Skymore breakout cool. doesn't happen until next year. But regardless, these were some, you know, uh, uh, hypothesis that you and I talked about on Twitter that yeah. might be true. And we, I went back and checked and it is pretty true. Some, some recent examples of this, just to give uh, some names to this idea, Deontay Johnson, Cortland Sutton, um, Corey Davis, Cooper cup, Kenny Galladay, then going back a little bit, Emmanuel Sanders, Gary Jennings, Roddy white, Vincent Jackson. There are many examples of this. And on average, those wide receivers were worse year one than their big school counterparts. So, now let's get into Sky Moore. How was he year one? A lot of his underlying metrics were okay. The, mm-hmm. the yards per route run, for instance, was terrible. It was 1.3. Yeah, but if you look at the film and both PFF, myself, you, Matt Harmon at Reception Perception, mm-hmm. all agree the film was pretty solid. So he was in the 59th percentile, according to Harmon. He had a 68 PFF grade. It was all solid, especially on in-breaking routes, especially against yes. the press. I thought that Sky Moore was very effective and I always loved him the most. My favorite route from coming out of college was running the slant against the press. I thought he was awesome at establishing leverage, throwing a quick foot fake, and then getting a ton of separation inside. I actually saw a few plays that he got open and him and Mahomes kind of just miscommunicated on yeah. what one play I saw his hand just literally didn't get out there in time. Another <laughs> one was a little bit too low. So hopefully this is the type of things that will improve uh, in Sky Moore's second season. Obviously, we know he has the draft capital as well. So there is some hope for him. And at his price right now, which in Dynasty is a 12th or 13th round pick, basically worth a future second, that is a price that I am happy to invest in in Sky Moore. And there are places where you can get him cheaper because, you know, people get pissed when their player doesn't perform. Yeah. People who took him over Chris Olave or Christian Watson are probably not happy right now. So might be able, might be willing to sell you him on the cheap. Yeah. I actually traded uh, just one for one Deandre Hopkins for Sky Moore in the offseason. I was just like, I'm pretty much uh, done with Deandre. He's done it. And in, uh, with the Cardinals and I don't know where he's going to end up and I don't necessarily yeah. think we're going to ever get that production out of him. So I, I like betting on him, especially because like you said, the film is everyone seems to agree when they watch it. Like he's a pretty good player. He's pretty good. He's getting open. And yeah. that's the big thing is when they get their opportunity, how are they on the field? And I think that a lot of people, especially Chiefs fans, are looking at his his uh his production when he was on special teams as a returner, and they're like, Well, he could not it's locate awful. football. Yeah, he's not a, he's not a punt returner. I don't I tried to say this in in training camp last year. I'm like, I don't want him as a punt returner, he's not very good at it. And it translated. Uh, so everything that he did well in college translated to the NFL. That's something that you don't typically find, especially with 
guys who are, are do a lot of their short area work and they win in college based off their their releases and that's something that really translated for sky Moore. he was beating derwin james off the line over across it wasn't even just off the line across his face yeah. with inside leverage that's quick that's very quick and he was able to do that against one of the best in my opinion one of the best safeties in the nfl so you have all these little tiny these little asterisks okay you have this here you have this play against the rams you have some some some, some things here you're trying to figure out it doesn't always happen where these young players they come in and there's not a big sample size for them to just have like a 200 yard rookie season and yeah. then they have good years and i don't know if sky moore is going to be a fantasy stud i don't i do know that next year he's going to be at least 10 times better than he was as a rookie because he's going to be playing more. He's going to be on the field more. He's going to get yeah. more opportunities to learn in the game as it's going and what exactly Patrick wants in this situation or that situation. So that's just as much as going up the depth chart for a Kansas City Chiefs receiver as it is anything. Getting on the field and having an opportunity, he's going to have that this year. Yeah, and it's 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 tough to get in a rhythm when you're not – when you don't have these consistent opportunities. <laughs> I mean er- – Early in the season, he didn't – until week nine, he didn't go over 25 snaps in a game. He didn't go over 20 routes running a game. It's hard to get in a rhythm, and you can find yourself pressing a little bit. Um, so the Chiefs last year played with both a tight end and a slot receiver on yeah. 58% of their snaps. So you can assume that Sky Moore is going to be on the field for those snaps. Do you think that he'll get out there in 12 personnel at all, or is he purely a slot guy to KC? No, I think he'll play everywhere, and they've yeah. said as much. Like That's why they yeah. wanted to do what they did with him, and that's another thing is because I think that as much as 12 personnel right now is going to become a thing, you're going to see a lot of teams use more of it because of how defenses are playing. So they're going to want to run the ball a little bit more, but also have the idea that if you want to bring your base defensive package, we have the ability to throw the football out of 12, and yeah. that's something that, that I think that really makes an impact for a guy like Sky who can win against press doesn't really have to, good he's awesome yeah. against press it, it doesn't matter for him that's a, the one of the things that they they really stressed especially learning early is that there's multiple times where you, you can actually see him playing the x receiver where he's just he's just open because he beats press man press man coverage or press zone or, or just bump and run whatever it is it doesn't matter so I, i'm really excited to see how they end up using him the big the difference in kansas city is that they rotate their receivers a ton they bring a lot of guys in, you know, MVS is going to be out there all the time. We know Kadarius, Tony, they view him as a guy, as the guy, like they want to be him to be the guy. He's not the best route runner in the world, but when you're as athletic and great in terms of after the catches, he is, you're going to make some concessions to that kind of thing. And I think they're really excited about Richie James. Richie James is going to be more involved in this offense than people expect. He's probably going to be more involved than Rasheed Rice is this year. I think I would make a bet that he's yeah. more involved than Rasheed Rice this year. So just it, it's really hard. Everyone wants to pit a bit of the, the uh, Patrick Mahomes Chiefs experience. He distributes the ball so much now. It's it's really hard if you're not Travis Kelsey to be like a top even 15 receiver at the position. So it, it's a little bit harder to find, but the breakout for Sky in terms of Getting on the field, being productive, and being a good player, I think that happens this year. Yeah, and like you, I, I don't see this, you know, wide receiver one upside right now for Sky, but I yeah. could easily see him getting, you know, 65 catches for 750 yards and putting together a productive season. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned Kadarius Tony, and we had him later on this list, but we might as well yeah. get to it now. Um, 
he's a very interesting player because all of his efficiency metrics are off the charts, but it's kind of tough because most of his plays, most of the time he's on the field, he is running a manufactured touch play, you know, so he is running a screen play or, or he's just running a play where he's the first option and it's easy for him to get open, like on a drag route. So, and there is not a lot in his game of, you know, intricate route running down the field. There wasn't a lot of this in college. It's a lot of yak stuff. Um, Personally, I have trouble seeing him getting to be a breakout wide receiver because I just don't see it on film other than in the manufacturer touches. But to be honest, I haven't gone too deep on his film from last year. So I'd love your opinion on what you see from Kadarius Tony this year. He's such an enigma. This yeah. guy is, he's not good at running, running routes. He's no, not like that. He's awful. When I was watching him at football uh, at Florida, I was like, I like just watching him on, on you know on TV before I got into his film. Like this guy's explosive. He's gonna be fun at the next level. And I get into his tape and I'm like, oh, he's got no idea what he's doing. Like he's just got no clue. I don't know if he understands leverage. I don't know if he understands defensive coverages. And the bigger problem with all of that is that he has been unable to even get into understanding it more because he's not on the field. He's yeah. hurt all the time. So as much as I want him to you know get better at that, it's really difficult for a guy who his movement kind of is in enable doesn't enable him to do as much because it also hurts him like you i just think back to the AFC championship game where he made a cut and then he, he's down he, he tried to make a cut or, or make somebody miss and then he's done for the game um, his, so, his ligaments can't handle how explosive he is he's so yeah. he's so explosive laterally well it's interesting because he doesn't he's not explosive laterally without the ball like he doesn't sing no. in and out of his routes no. at all but once he has the ball in his hands i mean he is electric but I don't know that his body can handle the, you know, erraticism of his movement. Yeah, it's weird. He's such a such a weird guy. But the thing about Andy Reid's offense is, is that this has been, you know, a stigma of Travis Kelsey for play people that apparently don't think that he's very good in terms of like the elite tight ends in the NFL in, in the NFL history. Like they think that it's all Andy Reid, which I can understand to an extent. There, there's, there's there's certain things that yeah, Andy and and, does. and Tom Brady was all Bill Belichick, right? Like it's. <laughs> yeah, right. Like yeah. it's at some point you have to understand that transcendent players are transcendent, and Travis Kelsey is. But the difference for me with a guy like Kadarius Tony is he makes Andy Reid's scheme better, mm-hmm. and there are also parts to where he's not open, but it feels like Patrick Mahomes is already comfortable throwing him the football. Like there's mm-hmm. a couple contested catches. I go back to the AFC Championship game where he he nearly hauled that ball in. Like he yeah. went up and he got it. He wasn't open, but he went up and got it. That's the athletic ability that he brings. And there's a couple of those where he's just mossing a guy. He's not even open, but he's able to go up and that use that athletic ability. So he's not going to be a guy who is winning at all levels of the field. He's he's just not. He's not going to be a deep threat in the same sense. He's probably going to be used at, as a Z, as an X player, if he's healthy, and he can still go get the football. So he's, like I said, not just an enigma, but he, he, the Chiefs really do. This is not them throwing smoke. They believe that he is the most talented receiver on the roster. Like, this is no joke from them. So if he stays healthy, he's going to see a good amount of volume, not just from short passes to, and you know, to screens, to drag routes. And he can take a drag route for 30-plus yards. It just doesn't matter. And his innate ability to understand defensive angles. Like, there's a – I think there's a play against the 49ers where he's – taking a drag route and he sh- 
shimmies his shoulders out of the way and makes a guy slide off of him. Like the, yep. that innate run after the catch ability is it's so unique. You don't see it in a lot of players. So they they do believe in the short to intermediate areas that he could be a legitimate like not just a PPR monster but a, a an explosive player. So it, 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 it was interesting. Health. I was as I was watching um Jameer Gibbs uh, film uh, at Alabama, yeah. he kept on reminding me of Kadarius Tony, which yeah, which says a lot good and bad about both the players. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're right. I mean, he is just slippery as hell after the catch if he can ever stay on the field. So yeah. I just pulled up my dynasty rankings. This is pretty funny. You mentioned you traded uh, DeAndre Hopkins for Sky Moore. They are currently back to back in my rankings. And right <laughs> after that is Kadarius Tony. So nice. It's it's an interesting position. I prefer Sky as well as a few other guys in that range, like Josh Downs, Rashad Bateman, to Kadarius Tony, just because I'm not sure I see the full down role. But yeah, I get it. He he is electric, and especially in a best ball format, um, I could oh, definitely sure. see taking him. Um, a patron of mine asked uh, if he should go over or under the 650 yard mark on Tony this year. That's really just betting on injuries. Like 50 yards a game is, I mean, that's 50 yards a game if he only plays 13 games. So I I don't think he'll have trouble getting there, but he might only play five games. So it's it's tough to see with Tony. Um, One guy who I compared to Tony coming out of college, and to be honest, I was quite wrong on, uh, was Jahan Dotson, um, who has turned out to be a much better route technician than what I saw from him in college. Dotson obviously had quite a good rookie season, although let's be careful, the touchdowns did lift up his overall production by quite a bit. So going over some of the basic metrics, Jahan Dotson had a 66 PFF grade, 1.5 yards per route run. He ran a ton of routes. Um, He is a little bit in trouble in terms of his team competition with Terry McLaurin there, with Curtis Samuel there. However, he is a former first-round pick. He had a 70 grade on average uh, for reception perception. I looked at his film. He was open all the damn time. He just had no quarterbacks to get him the ball. I've come basically full circle on Dotson. I think he is a very solid buy and has a good chance to have a uh, massive season. Yeah, my my big issue is that Still, Ron Rivera and Sam Howell ish yeah. situation. Like I'm, I know there's a lot of people that are really high on Sam Howell. I don't know if he's even going to be the starter this year. And last year, Jacoby Brissett was a very good quarterback for the Cleveland Browns in terms of winning football. And Amari Cooper. Let's not forget, Amari Cooper was like a, a fringe wide receiver one with Jacoby Brissett throwing him the football. And for me, that translates into okay, if it is if it is. Jacoby, Terry McLaurin is the guy you want for this year. Like, absolutely yeah. the guy you want because he does have that. I know my guy. But Jahan Dotson, like, like you said, I had a first-round draft grade on him coming up. I, I kind of like Penn State. I was, I was a big fan of him. You see the route technician ability, not just mm-hmm. here, but I thought I saw it at Penn State. And then the guy, we say this all the time about smaller guys, he plays bigger than he is. He yeah. goes and he gets the football. He, his high-pointing technique and skill for a smaller guy is, is out of this world. He's so much, I think, better after the catch than people expected him to be, too. Like, you see a lot of this in Chris Olave as well. People didn't think he could be a downfield threat, could make guys miss. Well, he's not the best at making a miss. He was absolutely a downfield threat in New Orleans last year with his speed that most people didn't see at Ohio State, but they didn't ask him to do any of that. They were like, you're the possession receiver. We have Garrett Wilson. Uh, He's going to do all this stuff for us. You're just going to get open all the time. He did, and now he does that. So Jahan Dawson is, is a, a guy who can also stretch the field for 
Washington as well as Terry McLaurin. They're a very good duo. They, they do we do things similarly well as each other. They have the, both of the contested catchability, and they can both play down the field, which I very I find very intriguing for wide receiver duos. They're very still young, even though McLaurin's what 27, 28 years old now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doesn't feel like he is, uh, which is unfortunate because he's been wasted away in Washington for most of his career. And I hope that they get a quarterback. They get you know. Eric Bieniemy is there now. I'm hopeful that he can change some of the offensive structure to use and get the ball out of these guys, out of these guys' hands quick into their playmakers. And you know, Dotson is clearly a playmaker in that offense, and I'm very excited to see, even if it is Sam Howell, what they do downfield because there's no argument for me that Sam Howell can throw the ball down the field. Like we we've seen it, and we've yeah. seen it all the time. We saw it in North Carolina. We saw it even a bit, little bit last year when he played in the final game of the season. So uh, I'm. I'm cautiously optimistic, but for more of a dynasty purpose uh, down the line, I think Jahan Dotson is definitely somebody right now, like you said, is absolutely a buy for me. Yeah. And I I completely agree with you. I think he is that kind of third or fourth year breakout. I don't see him having a massive season this year. Um, A few interesting things about Jahan Dotson. Like you said, he was mostly a deep threat, uh, 15 yards a catch. It's very interesting (laughs) because he is electric after the catch. He can do some of the uh, manufactured uh, touch Mm -hmm. stuff that he did in college, uh, but he just didn't have that opportunity last season. And with Curtis Samuel hypothetically healthy again, I don't see him getting that opportunity this season either. Another interesting thing for him. Jahan Dotson's catch percentage was better on contested catches than uncontested catches. He has a <laughs> lot of concentration drops. This is one of the things that pissed me off in his college tape, but that's okay. Like the, that type of stuff. He, he has excellent hands. He's yeah. good um, at fighting for these contested balls. So I'm not worried about that. Uh, just one interesting thing that I noticed in his numbers. Um, so the last second year wide receiver that we're going to talk about um, is another guy who I've had basically paired back to back with Traylon Burks in my, sorry, with Christian Watson in my wide receiver rankings for a while now. Um, and that is Traylon Burks. Um, he comes from a kind of different mold where Burks had a pretty productive rookie season. If you look at it at a per mm-hmm. route basis, obviously he suffered that injury. He had a few massive plays to boost him up, but I did not like the film when I went back and looked at it from his rookie season. It was a lot of what I saw in college where, he has this immense uh, athleticism. He has this size advantage over a lot of players, but he's not doing anything creative to get open. So he obviously has a great opportunity this upcoming season. They have no one. The Titans yeah. have absolutely no one. I look before I forget what it is. I think it's like under 110 career catches um, <laughs> from wide receivers That's on ridiculous. that roster. It's it's absolutely insane. Um, so what do you see from, uh, Traylon Burks? Do you think he can have this breakout? Because if he's good, there is so much usage for him mm-hmm. to soak up. I mean, it's, it's Nick Westbrook, Akina and Kyle Phillips, right? There's not even yeah. a hypothetical Robert Woods to compete with. So what do you foresee from Traylon Burks? Man, I, I would just, I want Ryan Tannehill to start the whole season. I honestly, I really do like, I'll be more in on him for redraft purposes. If that's the case. Um, but he's definitely going to still be like a buy for me because when you have that athletic ability with the ball in your hands, I naturally want to see what you can do, even if you're not the best route runner in the world. He's not going to be Christian Watson and winning down the field in that way. He can win down the field, just a little bit different. He's a little bit more build up speed. 
he, he just has to get down there a little bit more before yeah. he, he breaks away and then uses his size to his advantage. And like you said, when you have these guys that are just, they're bigger and they're faster than just about everybody on the field, you want to see them use some nuance. Like just learn a little bit of leverage understanding. Take take a little bit of outside shade and turn it into a, a way to get open on the in the middle of the field, catch some of these. And I want to see the route tree expand this year. And I don't know if Tennessee is the place where to get that going, but even if he's just running a route tree, like AJ Brown was, was running, I don't think that he's the same player. And I mean, that's pretty obvious in my opinion, yeah. he's not the same player. Um, and a lot of people projected him to fill that role, but you just, it's so difficult to do that with, how unique players are and especially with Traylon Burks he was essentially a slot receiver uh coming out of college he wasn't good on the outside he couldn't beat man he couldn't beat press he couldn't get off of press he was kind of bullied by smaller cornerbacks and yeah. that was so tough for me to get around I'm just like he's big and he's strong and he can run through people when he's got the ball in his hands but when he doesn't he just does not seem to know what to do and, and that can really be a hindrance for guys but if he gets the targets, the downfield targets, the points are going to come. Like that's just that's just what it is. He is too talented to not score points. And when you don't have any competition on your roster, I mean, he he not just you know, he can easily lead them in targets, one hundred percent targets, yeah. yards, catches, touchdowns. He could do all of that this season, and it wouldn't even bat nine. And again, if Ryan Tannehill's the quarterback, if they if their offensive line's a little bit better and they run the ball a bit more, that's going to help everything because their offense is predicated on running the ball, play action game. That's what it is, and that will help, you know, Traylon Burks get open a little bit more. But like you said, you I'm looking at your numbers right now. The reception perception form is not good, and the eye test backs that up. He could not could not get open. He cannot create natural separation. And again, against zone, he doesn't kind of know where the, those soft spots are. He's not really good at, at see, using, you know, the blind spot of the corners and kind of yeah. seeing where they're dropping, getting to that apex of their drop, and then, like, curling behind it. He doesn't know understand that nuance yet so it's again rookie season he wasn't asked to do that at arkansas which is another problem you're not asked to do any of that you have to right the problem is at arkansas he was playing the slot i actually i saw a few good things from from my film study when he was playing in the slot he was actually okay at finding holes in the zone he just had no idea when he was outside because it's just (laughs) a completely different it's a different skill set it's different angles on the field that you need to know where you're at so Maybe Traylon Burks can learn this. I think he can. I'm still pretty mm-hmm. high on him. Um, but looking into his film more, I did get a little bit shook because I didn't see yeah. a lot of improvement throughout the year. But listen, you saw the you know catch on the sideline where he got his toes down against the Cowboys. You saw the deep ball yeah, uh, above two defenders when he got hit in the yeah. head against the Eagles and came up with that absurd catch. Like he has the talent. You do. You would like to see it translate a little bit more. Um, Right now, I have Christian Watson above Traylon Burks, and I have kind of Burks, Quentin Johnston, and Jordan Addison right there. Um, I I think I might be moving Burks behind Quentin Johnston just based on this last film study um, because really neither of their film is great. But with Quentin Johnston, you get a year younger and you get Justin Herbert. So I think I'm going to be making that change to to my (laughs) rankings. Yeah, it's it's a nice thing to have compared (laughs) to the Tannehill-Levis combination. All right, so the next guy I want to touch on is a perplexing one, to say the least, and that is Elijah Moore, who loved him coming out of college, loved him his rookie season, where the second half of his rookie season, he had, you know, a Christian Watson-type 
second half of the season yeah, rookie yeah. breakout. It was easy to predict, you know, is he better than Garrett Wilson? A lot of people seem to think so. I was one of them, clearly incorrect. And then Elijah Moore had one of the worst seasons of any wide receiver last year. He had a yards per route run below one. He had a PFF grade below 60. He looked better on film than that, I will say. And there was some of the explosiveness, especially from the slot, that we saw his rookie year. But now he's on a new team. He he definitely gets a quarterback massive upgrade from what he had last season. And he looks to be the second best wide receiver on this team. So do we like the fit in Cleveland? And could you see some of that return to potential breakout for Elijah Moore? Or are you giving up on him after year two? Oh, I'll never give up on Elijah Moore. Me he's neither, too man. A, too good a player. <laughs> when you have what he what he does, and I, I go back to the film again because he was just open. I don't I don't understand how else to describe how his numbers were so bad when he was open all the time. Yeah, I just it's so difficult for that, and that's why when we have these these clashes in numbers and analytics. It's really difficult with these guys because we have numbers here that say he just wasn't good last year. And then we also have, you know, film and it's like, but, but he's, but he's open. <laughs> he's open here. Like what, what do we do with that? And my, my big takeaway here is that I know, I know we talked a little bit about how quarterback situation, especially with wide receiver competition doesn't necessarily always give you the bump. Deshaun Watson is different when he yeah. is 100. Like if, he, if he's 90% of the player he was in Houston, I'm all in. I am all in on Elijah Moore. And, and, I, and I think that the, the Cleveland Browns, because I do believe that John, John, Deshaun Watson is going to get back to that 90-ish percent, I think they're going to have a top 10 offense in the NFL. Um, I, I think that they are very ready to go. And Elijah Moore is a, a really good, in a really good spot with Amari Cooper because he's a route technician. He gets open all the time. And I think that's where Elijah Moore is going to be best in the NFL is learning the nuances of the routes. And he has the quickness. He has the release package. He has the speed to kind of use. He's a little bit smaller, so he's not going to be a downfield, like field stretching guy, but he can use his speed and quickness to get open in the short to immediate spots. And I think that, you know, Amari Cooper's in a great spot to help him learn that. And you also have the big deep, the deep shot, a deep field receiver in Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's already on the, on the team. So he doesn't have to do any of that stuff. I, I really am a believer in Elijah Moore for most of the season last year. I, in my Twitter bio, I said, I had just, you know, just target Elijah Moore, please. Like I just yeah. want people to throw him the ball. So I'm a believer in him. I think the landing spot where he is, is really good. Whatever was going on in New York, it wasn't good for his mental health. Uh, it wasn't good for on the field production either. So he's not there anymore. I'm, I'm a big believer. Yeah, and, and I am too. I'm buying him up everywhere. Uh, I got Elijah Moore basically in the early to mid-30s. Uh, sorry, I got him at 37 right now in my dynasty rankings. Um, it's a bit higher than most. You know, I have him right there with Zay Flowers and Terry McLaurin and Amari Cooper. I'm still buying him. I'm believing in his talent. My favorite stat as I was doing some research here, Elijah Moore's rookie season, 12.56 points a game. Garrett Wilson's rookie season, 12.57 points a game. They <laughs> wow. had the exact same rookie season, obviously dealing with the Zach Wilson issue. We have another year of Elijah Moore being terrible, so I'm not saying yeah. he's Garrett Wilson, but there is some hope there um, as far as discounting what might have been going on last season. Um, I'm definitely buying Elijah Moore. Um, a player that I have a lot of bias on, uh, so I'm going to ask you to kind of check me a little bit. 
uh, is Nico Collins. Cause I, okay. I am a Michigan man, a uh, big fan of Nico. He's been our best wide receiver for a very long time. Uh, better than Donovan Peoples Jones. Uh, only real Michigan fans will agree with that. Um, and he had a pretty solid season last year. Nico Collins, obviously nothing on that offense, but he put up 1.7 yards per route run, a 72 PFF grade. And when I went into his tape, I saw a lot of improvement from year one. He did a lot better of learning how to understand leverage. He looked a lot more explosive coming back from that injury he suffered at Michigan. And I'm overall pretty high on him, especially the partnership with Bryce Young. I think he's the best receiver in that offense. And Bryce Young is very accurate. If you want to talk about one thing about Bryce, he can get you the ball on time and on target. And Nico Collins, I think, will be the beneficiary of a lot of single coverage. I could see him being the number one wide out there and getting to 1,000 yards in this his third season. Am I crazy, or is there anything there with him? So, uh, as a fellow Michigan fan, I agree with you. You know, Nico Collins is the best receiver to come out. And as we know, wide receivers don't come out of Michigan because the offense is not asked for wide receivers to be good at anything. (laughs) They don't don't have to be good. They they Run blocking. Run blocking. That's it. Even then. I don't even think they ask for that. They don't even know if they really emphasize on it at a time. All I know is they want these athletes at wide receiver so they can get the recruiting class. They just don't want to use them properly. So right. that's a frustration we all we all share as Michigan Very fans. much so. <laughs> so my, my thing about Nico is that I, I also agree with you. Like his first two years, he, not his fault. Michigan did not ask him to learn any of the nuances of route yeah. running. It's hard to see it for him. So he did not really just understand – a lot of anything. He was a contested ball down the field guy. And you, you saw that. I was like, okay, but he's better than Donovan Peoples Jones because that's all Donovan Peoples Jones will ever be. He'll mm-hmm. only ever be a return man slash downfield player, um, maybe a possession guy, but he's not good at getting open. Nico did much better last year with, I think, understanding where he needed to be on the field. Um, and then when you have quarterback purgatory like they were in yeah. with, you know, Felipe Franks was. Was it wasn't it Felipe Franks that was yeah. also the other quarterback with the, the times, Davis yeah. Mills? Like at times, like what was actually happening in Houston last year? That was utter nonsense. And yeah, he took strides. He understood a little bit better how to create separation, use some downfield nuance to make corners do what he wanted them to do instead of just running downfield and hoping that you know his athletic ability would get him open. And my thing, like you said, with with uh, C.J. Stroud. Is, is that now we have a guy who has experience just throw, going everywhere, throwing it everywhere, throwing it everywhere with accuracy. That's going to elevate. It elevates guys like Nico Collins, who has struggled with that their entire careers with inaccurate quarterbacks. He has the best quarterback he's ever played with. So I don't think he's going to get to 1,000 this year because I don't think he's the most talented wide receiver in Houston. I, I, I think John Mechie is, and he's kind of suited to what Bright, you know, uh, what CJ Shaw wants to do initially, get the ball out quick to guys who get open quickly, and I think Mechie does that. But I, this, they they complement each other very well. These receivers, they're extremely complementary. I love that because you're going to see them also run the ball a little bit here and there, and then they're going to start peppering these little throws, and then Nico's going to have a big, you know, push down the field and have a big play. But I also think that you could use him on slants and use him on some wide receiver screens. Just let him do use his big body early, get him in a, in a groove, and then, you know, actually get some production out of him. So I'm not, like, super, super as high as you, but I'm not, like, down on him. I think he can be a, have a pretty good productive season. Yeah, and uh, apologies. I realized I was saying Bryce Young, not C.J. Stroud. Yeah, okay. um, 
But either way, I mean, people I think are also sleeping on. He was solid last season. He averaged 48 yards a game. He was just out mm-hmm. for parts of the season. I, I, I'm not – he's definitely the worst of these wide receivers that we've talked about so far. Um, but if we want to look at a guy who you can get for maybe a third-round pick in a lot of dynasty leagues yeah. who I think could put in that flex-type production um, at an affordable price, at an age Absolutely. where he's still going to have value past this season, I think he's a solid guy to invest in. Um, the next player that I wanted to touch on here, um, is going to be Rashad Bateman. Um, now I got, I have a lot of conflicting thoughts about Rashad Bateman and a lot of it comes from the fact that his peripherals are pretty damn good. Um, obviously he was a first round pick. He was really a a borderline elite prospect coming out of college. I really liked his film in college. His rookie year was a bit of a conundrum where, He ran a lot of routes and didn't put up a whole lot of efficiency, but I really liked his film. And then last season in a small sample, he put up a ton of efficiency, but I really didn't like his film. So obviously he now plays in this new offense with Baltimore. Hypothetically, they're going to be throwing a whole lot more. They added Odell Beckham to that offense. Mark Andrews is still going to be the main focal point, but there is space for Rashad Bateman to perform at a very high level if he can be healthy and if he can live up to the potential that we know is there. Are you buying? Do you have faith in him? Oh, I do. Uh, I think that he was kind of hurt last year too. Even putting efficiency metrics into that, which is honestly ridiculous. And he wasn't great at getting open, but he was a bit tad slower. He wasn't as quick in and out of his breaks as he was the previous year. And he was still doing a good job. So I'm, I'm all in on Rashad Bateman. I think he's the unquestioned number one in Baltimore. I don't, believe that hotel beckham is all that great anymore he's no. pretty much a, a guy who's going to be a possession go-to player on like third down if you need to have it i think he can still give you that and, and move the chains and then you know zay flowers is going to be a very good complimentary piece to what they have that electric player that you can use all over the place in multiple ways but rashad bateman is a do-it-all player R- routes to all three levels of the field he can win at all three levels of the field because he understands the nuance and he understands the defenses i think that him being hurt is obviously been the most unfortunate part of this because we haven't been able to see any long stretches of it but uh, the talent's there and and not just a passing offense we expect to throw the ball more but now we have Todd Munkin saying they're going to kind of rev up the the pace a little bit thank god that's what I mean they're like what bottom five in pace over the course of their Lamar Jackson's entire career you up the pace there. We're talking about more throws and, and Rashad Bateman getting more catches. That, that's what this all matters for me. So I'm especially, again, we all knock on wood with this stuff, but he stays healthy. He's going to be an extremely good player this year, the number one in Baltimore and a true, a true breakout candidate. Yeah. And I think compared to guys that we've mentioned really, uh, you know, like Skymore, Elijah Moore, Tony, and Collins, I would put Bateman's ceiling for this season as significantly above them. Even Jahan Dotson, I think Bateman's got a higher ceiling than him this season. Yeah. He just has to be healthy, and I am confident that he can perform it if healthy because he he looked better as a rookie than a second-year player, and I think, like you said, a lot of that was due to injuries. He is too goddamn cheap in Dynasty Leagues right now. So you can get him for you know a future second and third in some places you can get him for some of these running backs who are on their last legs like you know yeah. an Aaron Jones or a type like that so I am looking at investing in Rashad Bateman more um I look at these level of wide receivers where basically there's the you know 
Chris Godwin, Terry McLaurin, Amari Coopers of the world who are 27, 28 years old. They're going to be getting you maybe a high-end wide receiver two season or a low-end wide receiver two season. And then you compare them to a guy like Rashad Bateman who's a little bit cheaper. You don't really know what you're going to get, but you could really double the value uh, if he ends up hitting. So I personally like taking a shot on the young guys. I I get there's an argument for both, but if you're a team that might not be contending, definitely look to flip some of those older guys, you know, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk in there as well. DeAndre Hopkins, like you said, and try to get yourself Rashad Bateman. Um, Just to be clear, by the way, McLaurin and Cooper are worth more than Rashad Bateman. So ask for more on top, but it's just a, it's a downgrade quote unquote that you should look to make. Um, Next guy I wanted to touch on was a player I believe you mentioned earlier uh, was Jerry Judy, um, who had a very interesting season last year and one that a lot of people are kind of becoming smart to um, because he had 2.2 yards per route run last season with a 78 PFF grade. I think he was 11th in yards per route run last year. Um, Really just had a solid season, solidified a lot of what we wanted to see earlier where his excellent route running, he was actually able to turn that into separation. I always thought that a lot of his route running in his first and second year was super flashy, but didn't necessarily provide that much utility. He would get open, and when you looked at the ISO cam, you'd be like, shit, he got so open. Well, he got open a second and a half after the quarterback expected him to because he threw in an extra three fakes, so now he's not getting the ball on time. I thought he fixed a lot of that last season. I thought he looked more confident. I thought his hands were a lot better. His technique was better. Jerry Judy is a guy a lot of people are pegging for a breakout. Um, I'm one of them. I think he could have a huge season. What, what do you see from Judy? Yeah, I've said it since he was, you know, kind of there. <laughs> I think Jerry Judy is the most talented receiver in, Bal- in, in, uh, in Denver. And I know that a lot of people are like, well, you know, they want him to be a downfield player. He's just not going to get open downfield. Like, that's just not his game. And that I've had multiple, uh, I say this, multiple conversations that have turned into arguments with people with me trying to say that he's not a good route runner. I'm like, well, okay, because he doesn't get open down the field. That doesn't mean the player is not a good route runner. That just means that they're not always great at creating it downfield with their size. Jerry Jr. is a smaller player in terms of he's a slight a guy like Christian Watson is not getting bodied off his route for the most part down the field when he gets up to speed. Judy's fast, but when he gets up to speed, you can still kind of move him around the field. You can kind of stay with him. He doesn't have that explosive, like, get off. Like, he's more of a, a more of a build-up guy, too. So Jerry Judy does most of his best work in the short to intermediate parts, which also shows up on his film. And, and that's the big thing for me. He's going to be more of a PPR guy that can still score touchdowns. And that's what we're really looking for. They have a good combination of wide receivers in Denver. I don't know what's going to go on with trading, who's going to get traded, who's going to play more this year. I don't think that they should be looking to trade. Jerry Judith, I think they should be looking to trade either Tim Patrick or Cortland Sutton. They kind of do the exact same thing. So I, I think if you're trying to trade one of those guys, it would be, it would be something like that, but he's going to have a better usage profile. I think with Sean Payton as the head coach and I think that he has a really good connection with Russell Wilson. He showed that, I think, last year. There were multiple times where, I mean, he had some blow-up games against the Chiefs. I watched it. Like, they were just – there was blow-ups. And he was scored, I think, four touchdowns against them, three or four <laughs> touchdowns against him in one of his, uh, his games. So, he, he does have one of those, like, big blow-up games to kind of pad those stats a little bit. But 
going into all the underlying numbers, like you said, the yards per run was not was no joke. It was legitimate, and it was you talked about his the shimmies and adding all those fakes in. Get to the point. This yeah. is a much to get to the point. He did that much better last year, and just kind of giving a short hesitation move and then going, and that's really what matters. Transiting those routes, run into getting open. Yeah, I think what's interesting, and and a player that you mentioned earlier was Amon Ross A. Brown, who is you know pro- might be my mm-hmm. favorite wide receiver in the league. Um, an interesting difference between him and Judy because they have similar you know physical profiles. Judy's a little bit faster, um, similar in the ways that they can get open against man coverage. The difference is that Jerry Judy cannot get open against zone coverage, and even last season that was something he struggled against massively. Um, I went back on film. He just wasn't aware of the angles, particularly of where the linebackers were. Mm-hmm. He ran uh, his quarterback into a lot of trouble without sitting in the right spot in the zone. If he can improve on that, we know he can win against man. If he can yeah. improve on that, especially playing the slot more um, with Tim Patrick healthy this year, I, I think he could have an absolutely huge season. Um, we got two guys to touch on. I know we're running a little bit long. You, you got time for two more? Yeah, we're good. We're good to go. All right, sweet. So, uh, this guy's an interesting one. Um, you could argue he's already broken out. He's had wide receiver two seasons, and I'm talking about DJ Moore. He's had wide receiver two seasons. Uh, he's had seasons over 1,000 yards. He's obviously had massive games, but whether it's due to the quarterback situation or whatever you might attribute it to, he has not broken out and put together that massive season that we think DJ Moore is capable of. Do you think that Chicago's the place to do it and as a player, do you think DJ Moore is good enough to do it? And yeah, I'm talking so, about like a like a top <laughs> eight season, like a real 1,300 yard season. Yeah, talent wise, yeah, I, I believe that he is. Yeah. The problem is that Chicago's volume of passing the football probably is not going to translate to a top eight season. Um, he would, if he's not going to get the volume, he has to be incredibly efficient. He has to score oh, ten plus touchdowns, and they have to be kind of deep shot touchdowns which i mean it could happen you know this is the kind of angels in the outfield kind of thing it could it could happen but no probably not going to he's definitely a very extremely talented receiver i think he is a three-level threat and he's not only the best receiver that justin fields has played within his professional career i think that he's he might be even the best that he's ever played with and i know that he played at ohio state and there are some guys over there more could legitimately be the best he's ever played with. So it's it's all about finding out what DJ Moore is going to bring because I, I do think that they're also going to use DJ to open up some of their other players. They have a, a decent group of wide receivers. I like Donald, you know, Donald Mooney, and I think Chase Claypool can be a big slot in the NFL. I, I yeah. think he can. Um, I, I know that people kind of think that he's a, a bust after mm-hmm. last year but it's not too far removed from his rookie season where he was kind of a stud <laughs> for a lot of people. So I do think that he can be used in, in, in some ways to be a big slot. And Mooney is that deep, the deep field stretching where he's now finally the number two, not the number one. Finally. And yeah, finally, <laughs> he kind of struggled being a number one receiver at times, but DJ Moore has got all the tools winning at every level of the field zone, man, press, off coverage doesn't matter he, he knows what he's doing and I think that's going to bring you know some confidence so I think he can revert back to being like a high-end wide receiver too this year um, I don't know if he'll ever get the passing volume to be a stud number one 
you know, wide receiver one, even maybe more points per game basis, he might be able to do that for you. But in terms of like end of season finishes, it's hard for me to believe that the Chicago Bears with the defensive minded head coach will pass the ball, pass the ball enough to make that a viability. Yeah, and, and just to, I mean, a lot of what you said, I agree with. I, I don't question DJ Moore's talent at all. I think he's right on, you know, the uh, eighth or so best wide out in the NFL without going through him yep. out the, off the top of my head. But the Bears were 32nd in passing attempts last season, um, and they were second in rushing attempts last season. I don't see that changing to a massive degree. And you look at DJ Moore, the, the way that I think about it, people got really excited when he moved from Carolina yeah. to Chicago because they're like, oh, he's got Justin Fields right now. Justin Fields is not good for a wide receiver because he is going to run the ball a lot and he is not the most advanced quarterback at this point in time. So is it an upgrade? Yes. However, we know going into the season that Carolina was going to get a new quarterback. And I actually think that Justin Fields is probably worse than Bryce Young when we're talking about just how they're going to be for wide receivers. So I don't really view this as an upgrade. And maybe you're upgrading from the 31st best quarterback situation to the 26th best quarterback situation from a wide receiver fantasy mm-hmm. perspective. Obviously fields is better than that overall. Yeah. So it's just not that big of a deal. The thing that you mentioned that I wanted to hone in on was the deep touchdowns, because that's something that DJ Moore was excellent at at college. Yeah. He was excellent at for his first three years and that has disappeared. So his first two seasons, 9% of his touchdowns went for 30 plus yards his in 2020, 17%, uh, sorry, 17% of his catches went for 30 plus yards. And then in the last two seasons, only 4% of his catches have gone for 30 plus yards, only six total over the last two years. He needs to bring back the deep throws in order to get to this high end wide receiver two, low end wide receiver one type of output. I am personally not buying DJ Moore, despite the fact that I like his you know, actual talent just because of mm-hmm. the situation. But I'm also not denying that he could get there because he is a talented player. Um, last guy I wanted to touch on is another player who has had some <coughs> breakouts in the past, but right now he is being drafted higher than he has in the past um, in redraft leagues. And that is because DeAndre Hopkins is gone. And I am talking about Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown has been a very good player um, over the last three seasons or so. Uh, He's been averaging, you know, 65 to 70, sorry, 60 to 65 yards a game, uh, which is good for, you know, about 10,050 yards. It's a solid season, but it's not going to get you to an actually important level where you're scoring 15 plus points a game at the wide receiver position. Do you think something's going to change for him in the positive this year, or do you think he'll stay right around there? I I just don't know what you could possibly think happens better for him this year. Does Kyler Murray play this year? I, I think most people project yes. I don't know that he does. And not, not because I don't think he could be healthy. That's because I think he might not want to be there anymore. Nobody wants to be in Arizona right <laughs> nope. now. There is nothing going on well there that you want. They also just hired a defensive-minded head coach that lost them the, that lost the Eagles the Super Bowl. Yeah, but lost. Uh, you could argue that his defensive scheme, Gannon had, did not adjust properly to what the Chiefs were doing in the second half uh, of that that Super Bowl. Um, I'm very concerned with not just the quarterback situation because even if Kyler Murray does come back, do we know that he's going to be fully healthy enough to be better 
for everybody. And that for me, when you're you're the only guy on your team, Marquise Brown is the only dude. He's the only guy there. And then you have Zach Ertz, which you know Zach Ertz is Zach Ertz. I mean, that's what he is. He's just not. He's not a guy who's going to do a ton moving the needle for you, but he can handle a high volume of targets. Um, Marquise Brown's going to be the. I know that this doesn't uh, bring a lot of attention in, but defenses will just be like, okay. Marquise Brown. That's that's what we got to worry about. No one else is hurting us. Like down the field, Marquise Brown is the one guy that can hurt a defense and to just kind of shade a safety his way. I'm not sure that he's going to be doing much of uh, stretching the field. The one big reason that he was doing a lot more of that um, earlier in his career with the Cardinals is because DeAndre Hopkins was there. And I think that removing him from the situation makes it worse for him, especially because I don't think the quarterback situation is going to be good. Uh, there's a good chance that Clayton Toon is throwing the football to Marquise Brown for most yeah. of this season. I don't know about you, but that doesn't uh, that doesn't make me feel all tingly on the inside. It, it makes me kind of scared, to be honest with you. Yeah, which, which I don't blame you at all. And the reason for the potential um, breakout is because in the first six games of last season, without DeAndre Hopkins yeah. and – Marquise happened to get hurt in week six, which coincided with Hopkins coming back in week seven. So it worked out that way. He averaged 18.25 points a game, which is, you know, that breakout top Mm -hmm. six wide receiver status. And that is when he was the number one there. Now that was with Kyler Murray. That was before Kyler Murray hurt his elbow, uh, elbow or shoulder. I forget. Hurt his arm. Shoulder, Um, I think, yeah. Yeah, so... Clearly, there were some different factors that won't be in play this year. Clayton Toon is not Kyler Murray. Uh, no arguments there. But I I think the thing with Marquise Brown is he is a limited player. And that's why I don't think that he will have this breakout. Um, he's just not a player who can win in multiple ways. Like, like DJ Moore, for instance, who I think is a very versatile player who can win yeah. on the short routes. He can run after catch. He can win on the deep balls. Marquise Brown just isn't that type of player. He's not consistent enough catching the ball to be involved enough in the short game. His short area quickness really isn't that good. And he just doesn't break that many tackles. So mm-hmm. I mainly put Marquise in here to highlight that. I do not think he is going to be this fifth year breakout in his case. I think he's going to be a solid player, but again, with the Hopkins news, his dynasty value has peaked. Um, yeah. He is now going in similar ranges as guys like DJ Moore and Debo Samuel, who I both think will have better upcoming seasons. And he's you can potentially get him for a guy let, or trade him for a guy like Jerry Judy or a guy like Devontae Adams, who for different reason, in my yeah. opinion, should have significantly more value from a dynasty perspective. So I'm okay with Hollywood Brown. If if I come out of a draft and he's my wide receiver three or four, that's fine. But he's being drafted too early, um, mm-hmm. especially in redraft leagues. And I kind of just wanted to highlight that. I feel like people forget that Cliff Kingsbury is no longer the coach there either. He's not yeah. a good head coach, but he's a very good offensive mind. He, he, he knew kind of what he was doing to an extent with kind of, you know, scheming guys open, running more of the, the five wide at times and scheming, them open for for a little bit here and there but the the impact that cliff kingsbury not being there i'm interested to see where their offensive design goes because that could contribute to marquise brown being impactful or not or less impactful than he has been just as much as maybe the quarterback being different so i agree with you yeah absolutely um we have a few questions uh from my patrons i think i'm probably going to get to those a little bit later in a separate podcast uh, we, we went deep on these wide receivers, <laughs> not surprised. We went a little bit long. I think we got a lot of good info across. So hopefully, uh, hopefully the listeners agree that, uh, we weren't just wasting time up here. Um, 
Before we sign off, do you want to just remind everyone where they can find some of your work if they uh, enjoy listening to you today? Absolutely. Thank you again for having me on. I always go yeah, long, sure. but it's always it's always fun to talk and have conversations that I feel like both of us get something out of it and everyone the <laughs> listeners did as well. So you guys can find me on Twitter at InHarmsWay19. I consistently am getting more back into posting more, more clips up there. It's not just fantasy stuff. I post, you know, clips of pass rushers of offensive linemen. I do I do a bunch of different stuff. So that's always there. RGRfootball.com for anything Chiefs related. I, I post content on there twice to three times a week. And everything now that I will be doing for the fantasy realm will be found at footballguys.com. I should have a Tony Pollard spotlight coming out rather soon. So if you guys are interested in that, make sure to check it out. Yeah, and if you're a fan of uh, some delicious-looking cooked meats, definitely <laughs> check out his Twitter as well. I was going through earlier. Definitely jealous of some of that KZ barbecue. Looks like you're doing it right. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I love I love cooking, um, barbecuing, baking, anything. I'm, I'm a big fan. <laughs> nice. Good stuff. All right. Thanks so much for joining me, and thank you to all of you for listening to the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. Uh, we'll be back with another episode uh, likely later this week, if not on Monday. So thanks as always for tuning in and talk to y'all soon. Peace.